0: This episode is a sponsored partnership
1: by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice, but now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier.
0: Our response? Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy reading since 1999, over 35 million
1: to be exact. All you have to do is create an account and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation.
0: Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs, and you'll be able to connect via phone
1: call or text. Just go to trykeen.com slash potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's
0: trykeen.com slash potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential.
1: Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being, and let's get checked. Well,
0: POTENTIAL!
2: and welcome back to The Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my fellow Ghostbuster and co-host, Taylor Sokol. How are we doing, Taylor?
1: Don't you mean more like ghost hosts? Oh, yes. Because we're in October. <laughs> oh, man, I'm feeling great. I mean, it is exciting. We are middle of October coming up here, and mm-hmm. uh, it is flying by, I tell you.
2: It always seems to fly by this time of year, but um, yeah, I'm very excited here. Another kind of haunted episode of this month, but... Yeah. Um, We've noticed that something's really missing this time of year, mm-hmm. and it's been really since the summer, but especially now, big thing about the Halloween month is you start getting all these scare movies that come out, and it's such a fun thing to go to a movie theater and see with the audience. We're not getting that this year.
1: No, yeah. unfortunately not, and it's, it's a really tough time where a lot of these movies are supposed to be coming out in the next couple months, and some of them were pushed back to this month, and unfortunately, because of COVID, everything is just... Getting pushed back and pushed back, back and back, again, and the yeah. movies dropping like flies. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's a little depressing. I mean, the nice thing is we have the streaming services, so a lot of movies uh, have taken the route of direct to streaming or on demand. Uh, but it's just not the same. So I think there's not a lot of fresh enough fresh content to come out there.
2: Yeah, I mean, we were fortunate that we got to see Tenet in theaters, yes. and that was really so far the only new th- movie we got to see. Uh, but yeah, we just recently got. News that all the Marvel movies have been pushed back. So now Black Widow's not until, I believe, like March or April. Uh, Bond was just the recent one to be moved. It's now was supposed to be out in November. Now it's coming out April of next year as well. And Wonder Woman is currently still on the slate for Christmas. But uh, there's already been news reports that so that may either go straight to streaming or be pushed again. So, unfortunately, we already saw Regal Theatres. Here in America has uh, closed shop till the end of the year. Mm-hmm. AMC may follow soon. And just that, you know, there's still a few movies that are not your big blockbuster hits uh, due to come out,
1: but not much. And some of the local theaters, not some of the big chains that, mm-hmm. that are not regal or AMC, and we talked about this. They are playing a lot of these old classic films. So if you have a local theater in your area, now's the time to support local theater. The nice thing is They've taken precautions, you know, with with COVID and everything. But you can see a cheap movie and see a movie you may haven't seen because, like I always say, it's not the same experience of seeing. Oh, getting
2: to see these classics oh. on the big screen is such a difference. Uh, yeah, as so... I
1: mentioned a few episodes back, I saw *Empire Strikes Back* on the big screen, and that's it was it was five bucks. I had the pleasure of seeing. It was a few months ago, but both *Back to the Future* one and two. That'd be so, fun. To so, see so that on the big was screen. really cool, and yep. get to experience that with my younger siblings. So that's the time to do it. So definitely support, and that's the best way we can support the arts right now and the mm-hmm. entertainment. But going in October, like we said, I think because there's not a lot of thing, we thought it would be great to revisit some of the classic movies.
2: Yeah. Yep, a pair of movies that I actually would love to go see on the big screen. Yeah. And I'm sure there might be some theaters that are showing them this time of year. But today we want to talk about a pair of movies that uh, they're definitely not only um, great for this time of year, but they're Just all-around great comedies, and those are, of course, the Ghostbuster franchise. And we're really just talking about Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. I'll give a little bit of cred to the remount that was with the um, all-female cast, Mm -hmm. but it didn't quite hit the same way as the first two. It felt like it was much more focused on the CGI and more of this kind of action take, and it kind of took a step back of what makes the original film so great, which is... The cast, that strong kind of bond, and the the almost you know the the comedy mixed with this kind of slight yeah. uh, haunted horror element, um, it just wasn't the same with that. So we're really focused on the OG one and two. So of course we'll start off here with Ghostbusters, the OG 1984, uh, directed by Ivan Reitman and written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis.
1: Yes. I mean, this was, uh, going back to the beginning of this movie, it was fun, really fun to revisit some of the documentaries that they did. And fun fact for the this movie is this was kind of a passion project, really, from Dan Aykroyd, that mm-hmm. he had an idea of doing this. And this was, again, before the time of all these ghost hunting you know, shows you see, oh, like yeah. Mythbusters and Huge reality yeah. boom
2: in the last, you know, 20 years. Which of, was inspired by these which, movies. Which, you know, let's go find ghosts. And you see them all the time on, like, Sci-Fi Channel and these other channels, and uh, even now, today with streaming, we see a lot of things on streaming that have to deal with ghosts or paranormal activity. Yeah. And even look at those movies. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of those uh, movies were probably inspired by this idea of, well, a bunch of guys going to chase and stop ghosts. Mm-hmm. And the great thing is, you know, you could easily have made this movie a very serious, uh, not comedic take. Yeah. But of course, having that comic element really adds to a bit of a family fun Adventure, even yeah. with
1: some slightly
2: terrifying moments.
1: Yes, and so originally when this was put together, Dan Aykroyd had the idea of the Dream Team that he wanted to compile together, and of course uh, this was you know right coming on the heyday of when he had first started. Uh, Dan Aykroyd had a lot of films already going with Trading Places mm-hmm. and and of course SNL alum, and he had originally decided he was going to have the late great John Belushi. Uh, to perform it with. And, of course, he had an idea with Eddie Murphy and this this whole, you know, project. Of course, they did, you know, Blues Brothers. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, already great idea for comedic Duo. And, of course, there was uh, so many delays with creating this and everything. And, and unfortunately, by the time that everything was greenlit, uh, John Belushi had passed away, unfortunately. And I think uh, getting Eddie Murphy on was a little challenging, too. I mean, Eddie Murphy really started exploding on the scene. He was doing all these projects.
2: You know, SNL was a big hit for him. He, his stand-up was really iconic. I mm-hmm. mean, he's, at that time period, he was one of the top comics in the world, and he had his own movies, you know. He was, you know, training places, of course, with Dan Aykroyd, but yeah. he was doing his own stuff, and he really was in this, growing to be a star. So, it was a right choice of, well, these four guys, I think, can really do the job, but it just didn't work out that way. So, yeah. there was two spots that needed to be filled, and, uh, you know, Dan turned to Bill Murray, mm-hmm. who also was a bit of a... It wasn't like an immediately yes. Yes. And even when it was, it was a bit of a is he going to show? Because Bill Murray in this time period, he was just nailing. I mean, he was... All these great movies coming out. And I love that the story is kind of like Dan Aykroyd didn't actually know if he was going to show up to the first day of filming. And, you know, he had been sent the script and all this stuff and he showed up like maybe 10 minutes to go and just went right to work. It's yeah. just like, you know, t- and it's so funny because it just fits his character of Van. Well, uh, pretty,
1: pretty much, right. you know, a lot of his movies, he kind of yeah. plays that character. He plays like, that kind of sarcastic
2: guy. Who the reluctant he had, hero. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course, they had to fill the role of Winston. Yes, because they already
1: had, they already had Ramis. and already had, had in it and, yeah. uh, Aykroyd. and of course, uh, with Eddie Murphy not going, they had eventually chosen mm-hmm. the amazing Ernie Hudson. Yeah, who actually, I think, looking
2: at how the films turned out, I think it was actually a better choice because Eddie Murphy would have been a much more, probably written to be more comedic. And although there is some funny lines, it really stands out to have one guy of the group who is that kind of, uh, you know, average Joe just yeah. looking for a paycheck. Mm-hmm. And not that Ernie isn't funny. He's got some funny bits in both these movies, but he doesn't stand out as the comic of the group. And so you needed kind of that balance of, as, you know, you look at four guys. You have the sarcastic kind of comedian. You yeah, have they, the heart, which is Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. You have the nerd, the scientist, Egon. And then you have the average Joe.
1: Yeah. So, so right now you got the dream team perfect. And, of course, man. director I, Ivan Reitman mm. was the man for the job. Now, of course, we're going to talk about the movie. And if you haven't seen it, then, you, you know. If you haven't seen <laughs> Ghostbusters, it's 2020.
2: What's wrong with you? Yeah. This but uh, once again, we'll say... We're not really going to say spoiler warning because the movie's been out for so long. Yeah. Just maybe take a pause, go watch them, and then come back and listen to the rest of this episode. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you had the dream team of the Fab Four, and you have this great director. But now we need to fill out the cast even more. Mm-hmm. And this is where we first go to um, our our two female roles here. That really, uh, very different type of characters, yeah. but really felt... So first we have uh, Annie Potts, who plays the secretary for the Ghostbusters. And um, this is, I think, such a well-written role because set in New York, there would be plenty of people that would have zero problem with the actual type of work. They're just there to do their job. So she has zero care that it's for ghosts. She's just that kind of...
1: Ghostbusters, what do you want? She's that
2: kind of hard stickler, just, you know, doing her job, very dry, very, you know... Uh, dead behind the eyes, but it's just—it really plays into uh, some of the banter, especially between like her and Egon. Or, really or, or, Vengman, or Venkman. or Venkman, yeah. So um, that's that was like perfect casting, and then we have uh, Sigourney
1: Weaver, who is kind of the damsel in distress, and this is a much diff- different role for her. Well, she was coming off the success of the Alien franchise. Yeah, already had one and two completed. And so she's this,
2: you know, badass hero, but now in this one, I think what it was is. They originally didn't really think about Sigourney because they thought, well, she's probably too... She comes off too much like an action hero. This is a role that really has to be more of a meek, yeah, that damsel in distress. But in her audition, she was uh, fully on all fours and she was acting like a dog and (laughs) she wanted it. So she brought the chops, they Mm. saw it, and they said, we're casting her. Mm. And it really works because she is that kind of... Just your kind of average lady that's just put into this extreme circumstance. But then also you have the flirtation, which we we'll get to with her and Bill Murray's Venkman.
1: And finally, another key performer. The key ingredient,
2: if you will. Yeah. Uh, originally, it was going to be John Candy was who yes. they were looking at. And John Candy wanted to play more over-the-top kind of German character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for, uh, who eventually would be cast as Rick Moranis. So the way that he was looking at this role, it didn't really fit. They thought it was too over-the-top, too robust. So they ended up going with John Candy, but then they looked to Rick Moranis, and, I mean, it's just...
1: Well, he, play, he plays this role so well, and, and Rick Moranis obviously plays the role of Lewis, who is the neighbor yeah. who is vying for the affections of uh, Dana Barrett's, uh, Sigourney Weaver's character. And he does play that it just all these characters, and especially him, they play these characters that are very timeless. Mm-hmm. You've got the the plucky and overeager neighbor who just wants to be everyone's friend. And he knows he
2: knows everyone's business. Oh, exactly. He's very he, noisy. Like
1: you come to your apartment thinking you could sneak in. Like, oh hey, yeah. you know. <laughs> uh,
2: and we all know that guy yeah. in the building. That just, I've been that guy.
1: Uh, but moving <laughs> on. Uh, but. Yeah. <laughs> And it just so, it's, I think, one of Rick Moranis' strengths because he does, he can play that character mm. very well.
2: And he often steals the show. Oh. In the scenes, you know, he's just.
1: Maybe he, I got a milk bone ear. Yeah, it's my, <laughs> my favorite. Brilliant.
2: So now going to the movie itself, uh, we start off the film with this kind of eerie scene of this library. Very actually spooky. And it actually is spooky. You have this, this poor, sweet little li- librarian who's just. She's doing the Dewey Decimal System. Yep. She's, and things start popping out, books start going everywhere. And she sees this. Spirit that actually looks like just like a nice lady, just ghosts, you know. Well, we don't see yet. We don't. And then. The beauty of the, the beginning scene. Yeah. Right? And again, for the time period, the 80s, you, you look back at this film and some of the CGI, it still holds up pretty well, you know. It, that works, kind re, of it works very well. You can
1: kind of see through the ghosts, you know, it's made. And they did a lot of great practical animatronic effects, effects yeah. which was great. And then the great thing about the story, I think, which adds to the horror and the comedy that I think people love about is. Right away, you got these characters are kind of brought together. It's the original trio, and they uh, have this idea that they're going to, um, you know, use their research. They're all in some sort of paranormal. They're all like working. Yeah, they at this work for this, u- this,
2: university, this university. but they're getting defunded mm-hmm. because, as it happens, usually the oddball sciences. So there's always that one department. There's always one department that, nobody... that no one thinks is actually uh, necessary Or real. Or real. <laughs> And, you know, they each have their strength, which I think is why they kind of realize, oh, maybe we can make a tag team effort here Ooh. to form maybe a new line of business of pineapple, you know, hunting. And they they do get their kind of first test run of this uh, hotel calls them up. Yeah. And this really snooty man is, you know, has no faith in these guys. And um, they have these you know, Egon being the more science of the, th- you know, three, eventually four. He has these devices he's kind of invented that's supposed to use protons and all stuff to capture a so There's and, a you know, lot of science. There's actually a the lot superhero. of science, that whether it's true or not, you know. Yeah. And they get to go in this, you know, they're, the three of these guys just comic gold they're going through this hotel and they're trying to find this ghost which we equipment
1: equipment they never tested they never
2: tested they never worked on and we get the of course most iconic ghost of this franchise slimer
1: Slimer. which fun fact uh it was actually has been talked as kind of an ode to john belushi it's the as the joke is the he's the ghost of john belushi he's just this gluttonous blob this big green
2: blob (laughs) that keeps eating and we get that one really funny scene where Bill Murray's walking down one of the halls because they've all kind of gone different ways to, you know, we'll cover more ground if we split up. And then Slimer sees him from down the hall and then just runs right through him. Ooh. And he's just on the ground. <laughs> they come up and fight. What happened? He slimed me. Hence the name, Slimer. And he's just covering all his goop. But they do eventually capture Slimer and they kind of realize, hey, we're not half bad at this. Yep. And so we, we kind of get uh the ghostbusters yes. kind of they're like all right and they get they buy this bean up old fire firehouse uh to use as their home base so they start a business mm-hmm. and uh as with any business people will start coming if they need a job and that's when we get the 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 last piece of the puzzle we get good old Winston comes yeah. in and he's just this average Joe looking he, for a paycheck. He doesn't
1: know what what they're doing. Yeah. It's like I, I'm just here if it pays well. I'm, yeah. I'm happy to take it. You know, and they they hire him on. So we get get the classic eighty uh, montage of them mm-hmm. uh, uh, working together. And of course we got to talk about what a not only great theme song but great score. Great score
2: and yeah, we have that classic theme song. Freddie Parker
1: Jr. right there.
2: Everyone's you know everyone knows that theme song so well. It's it's. Uh, it's kind of a must play at any Halloween party. I think
1: that, it, I mean, not in the same vein as maybe uh, how well it sold, but I would say that and Thriller, maybe the top Halloween songs. At any oh, party, yeah. <laughs> and then Monster Mash, but that's and Monster thing. Mash,
2: <laughs> the old classic. But yeah, no, the music. I love what the music does. Is at times it is that eerie mm-hmm. kind of you know something's afoot, something's going on. But it's the bouncy main
0: theme.
2: It has that New York feel. It has that 80s vibe. But it's playful. I think that's the great thing about this movie is you don't take it with a grain of salt that it's like, this is not horror. Yeah. This is not a full comedy. It's that mash that makes it such a, you know, fun movie. So but uh of course, aside from the Ghostbusters for a second, uh with any great film you have to have your ultimate villain here. And uh Sigourney Weaver's character is, she starts seeing some weird things happening in her apartment. Eggs are starting to crack, and yeah. she's sensing some doom from her fridge. Yeah,
1: there's all these weird noises and stuff. And,
2: uh, you know, of course, with any creepy New York building, there's going to be these uh, gargoyle-like statues of these dogs mm-hmm. that end up coming to life. And she's kind of starts seeing this uh, scary stuff, so she has to call yeah. the only people in town that deal with this the Ghostbusters. So she's like, I think something was in my fridge. I heard the name Zul. Yeah. And Egon's like, Zul, uh, you know, he starts to look up his books and this demonology mm-hmm. and, it, you know, it's a classic demon from this, you know, religion. The mythology and, is yeah. well, well thought And, out. yeah, it actually... Because a lot
1: of it is based on... Some, I think, was it a Sumeritan or something like that uh, you talk about? Yeah, Sumerian. Uh, and then there's the Mesopotamian. Yeah, so, like, yeah. ancient times,
2: which, you know, especially in those... Uh, cultures where there's multiple gods there'll also be multiple
1: demons yeah you know? and some people believed in a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff and so right off the bat very scary elements with these these demon dogs and of yeah. course not only does Sigourney Weaver's character but then Louis Louis uh, Rick Moranis' character which this goes into the whole there's a lot of innuendo uh, in this story, you've got, okay, she's the gatekeeper, and he's the key, key master. master. Yeah. Uh, so right there, and they have to come together. Yes. And, of course, another one we have to go back to uh, is with these proton packs that Egon talks about. Is like, oh, we use these. Never cross the Never streams. cross the tree Yeah. Why? That would be bad. <laughs> and it was like, so there's a little bit of that. Uh, there's a little bit of that. Uh, Innuendo, adult Innuendo, adult humor. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> but I do love that, uh, well... Talking about the Lewis scene. It yeah. is I just that scene of, you know, he's doing all the coats at his party. Yeah. And he throws the coat on the dog. Yeah. And then eventually the dog starts chasing him and he gets to that restaurant yeah. and he's just like, you know, help me he gets the glass and Everyone's <laughs> just like looking and they go back to eating. Yeah. Typical There's... New York. Yeah. They have zero care. Uh but yeah, so uh the Ghostbusters are hired to try to help Dana out with her problem. Mm. And immediately once they meet uh Dana, vankman is just he's enamored, he's yeah. in love. And, uh, we get this kind of, yeah, buddy and romance between these two, which is, you know, one of those things where you look at any kind of work situation, you're not supposed to, you know, dip the pen in the company. Yeah. yeah. Don't, you know, <laughs> date a client and stuff, but it's, uh, it ends up being a huge case for them. Yeah. And so they, they have, this is problem A going on is they know that there's this Zool thing and you know, it might be leading, All these
1: spirits are becoming more and more.
2: Much more is going on. But then we got problem B. We have this uh, government official who thinks that everything they're doing is completely, you know, wrong. Yeah. It's uh, bad for the environment. All this stuff, and it's taken to the mayor, and they actually end up shutting down their kind of big uh, vat of, you know, they have yeah. this big kind of a security the electronic ghost, that ghost that prison. Keeps- and they have to, so all these ghosts are everywhere now. Yeah,
1: they unle- unleash it. So all their hard work,
2: and then they're... And so we get this great scene where the ghostbusters have to come to the mayor, and they have to really convince him, like, look, no one else can do this job. It's only us. Yeah. And we just, this great scene where the mayor finally kind of comes to terms and I just love that line that Venkman does. He's like, yes, yeah, wh- this man has no dick. Yeah, he's
1: like, oh, "What well, dickless doesn't he say here. And he's like, is this true? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so they eventually kind of win the case of, all right, you guys go to work. And they face out the final battle, which, again, they don't know what they're doing. They're they're coming here like, we don't know. We're just going to. It's yeah.
2: just four guys with these packs. Hopefully they work. Yeah. And then they get up and they see, they get this, uh, Zool has kind of come to the form of this Kind of, it looks like an '80s dancer. Yeah. uh attractive. It's like women, a, you know? rhythmic with Pat Benatar. She's got this guy crazy hair, and uh, this idea of choose the form of the Punisher or of the like, destructor yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. it is. And uh, so this idea that she's maybe going to transform into something, but they get to choose it. So of course, if you had a choice to choose, you'd probably do like oh, a small puppy or yeah. a, a leaf or something. And it's just, you see the four of them, and they're all like, all right, don't think. Yeah. And Diane Aykroyd's face, yeah. it's this puppy dog face of,
1: I couldn't help it. Just popped in. Just popped in. What, what just popped in,
2: Ray? popped in. And then you start hitting this boom. Yeah. Boom. And we have this giant, stay puffed marshmallow man. Yeah. What a, just, you know, and actually an idea that first they actually did not want to go with because they thought the audiences wouldn't buy it. Yeah. And yet it turns out to be probably one of the most iconic parts of the movie. Yeah. One of the most famous parts of the movie. And I mean, literally places that have ghostbuster toys and stuff you get stay puffed you know it's slimer stuff, and toys. stay puffed are like the because there's iconic. something about it, it's it's kind of got this gentle face it's like it's very much like the pillsbury doughboy yeah but then it starts that look when it has like the evil eyes yeah. and it's very angry so they have to fight off this marshmallow man it's yeah. huge and of course in the end they're like well nothing's working against it maybe we should cross the streams yeah
0: you said never cross the streams just do it yeah
2: and they're crossing the trains. They blow it up. There's marshmallow everywhere. They yeah. save the day. And this is how Ghostbusters ends. And we're kind of left in this, you know, what a fun movie. Yeah. It did pretty well. And they could have left it at that. hmm You know, it could have been one of those, just one-off. What a fun little mix of comedy, a little bit of paranormal activity. All around great movie. But we do eventually, years later, get to Ghostbusters 2, which was five years later, 1989. hmm and we're gonna talk about that right after this well uh hello there it's Tommy here and I'm here with uh Bobby
1: hey how's it going
2: and uh of course we just want to say uh who you're gonna call if you need some guys to come in and clean up the place uh, you're gonna call us
1: with the ghost dusters yeah ghost dusters because you know I mean who knew that the ghostbusters would need a cleanup crew after I tell you Every single time, it's so much slime. And I, you know, you know us. I, I hate cleaning. I hate. Uh, uh, I, <laughs> I don't hate cleaning, but you know, I barely clean my teeth. I know, but this is a full-time job. I tell you, it is. I mean, we got three hotels this week. I mean, what is this slime stuff? How do you how do you clean this? Clorox? I don't know. We gotta use those wipes. I told you. Oh, okay. The extra duty towels. Okay, is that the 99% or the 99.9%? Oh, the 0.9% works better. Okay, 0.9%, okay, that's good.
0: But yeah, Bobby, I mean, afterwards, we're completely covered head to toe. It's just
1: disgusting. But someone's gotta do it. Yeah, might as well be us. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, this is two guys. We should get some more people, don't you think? Uh, Maybe two more guys might complete the team. Or gals, you know, because this this is 2020. The Ghost Dusters, the Ghost Dustettes.
0: I mean, they I all mean, work, you know. Sounds like we
1: could have a show going on. We have franchises. But well, really, if you want a good uh, deal from us, we got two packages. That's right. We got the basic package. Yeah.
0: And we got okay. the super basic package. The super basic package, which yeah. is actually is cheaper. Uh, we don't do
2: as
1: much, which is, you know, we got maybe change that name. But... Well, yeah, well, it depends on the place. I mean, you got your, your classic quant thing. You got the up of the house or a hotel. But or it's the, the extra lunch. possessed
0: type, and it's at least two or three more ghosts. We got to charge you extra for that.
1: And we guarantee, you know, if you uh, get our membership now, you can uh, guarantee we'll be there for a nice three years to come back and clean up here. No extra charge.
0: And you're not going to get that deal with any other group in the city, I tell you now. Yeah, you know
1: why? Because we're the only ones.
0: Go out to ghostdusters.com.
2: Find us. Uh, We haven't made the website yet. I got an
1: Instagram going on. We got
2: Oh, Instagram. There we go. That's good. So, uh, yeah, uh, find us on there and... uh, we're trailing those Ghostbusters, but uh, we're your cleaning crew. And uh, once again, I'm Tommy. And this is Bobby here. Yeah. So uh, what are you going to call
1: Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters? And we're back. Wow. That was, uh, that was a good break. You know, I'm going to call those guys. I think so, too. Is, I, that, my, is that real? My whole place. Do, they, do we need dead. to have, uh, you know, haunting or can they just come and clean up? Because I'm a messy house guest. I uh, want we'll to call and see. They we'll might have a third out. package. Yeah.
2: But we're back, and now we're going to talk about Ghostbusters 2, a sequel that came out five years later, which, you know, it's not rare to see. Some sequels take
1: years to come out. Well, because they don't maybe necessarily, like as we said, when you've got a great hit on your hands, you know, is, can you create lightning in a bottle? And sometimes there's no plan to create mm-hmm. a whole There's no you know, plan. Trilogy.
2: And I think there was even a bit of hesitation from probably cast and crew Because it is that thing where, do you want to step on sacred ground? Do you want to just try it again to maybe be a downright failure? Because we've noticed that, uh, especially nowadays, we're seeing a lot of reboots and rehashes and Mm -hmm. retries of material that's sometimes even up to 20 years old. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And so luckily it wasn't too many years down the line. Um, But Ghostbusters 2, the great thing was, first off, it's the whole team back. Yes. And that's... That's key element number one. Mm -hmm. Same director, Ivan Reitman's back. Same writing team, Dan Mm -hmm. Aykroyd, Harry Ramis. Got the whole Ghostbusters crew back. You got Scorning Weaver back. Andy Potts back. You got Rick Moranis back. And we have a few new characters that come in. But we get this idea that... and This is actually... kind of reminds me a bit of kind of like uh, Avengers Civil War here. Mm -hmm. This idea that, well, because of all the stuff that happened in the first film... There would be mass repercussions. Repercussions, destruction. Well, like any yeah. of these big
1: movies, where you think about all these superhero films, yeah. where it's all fun and, and like we're watching the action, but there's a lot of damage. That's Buildings caused. are exploding. Yeah, people are injured. Yeah, you know, you know.
2: <laughs> there have to be repercussions here, yes. n- not just from a uh, from you know people being hurt or injured, but also financially. So it's been a couple years. And the Ghostbusters, due dis- to are have to disband. Yeah, they're basically if you try to practice anymore, you will be sued and potentially go to jail. Yeah, so they're not a team anymore. So we have uh, <laughs> Venkman. He's got a talk show. He's got a talk great. show and just you know
1: hams it up. And um, Egon runs like a bookstore. Looks like a bookstore with 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 uh, um, Ray. Yeah, Ray. And then of course Ray and, and Winston. Winston, they're. Doing a Ghostbusters thing, but basically they perform as characters at children's at parties. At children's
2: birthday parties. So I like, don't like birthday party clowns, but as yeah. the Ghostbusters. So, you know, overall, a couple of them are not quite at the same hype that they were from the first film. So that's kind of where the Ghostbusters are when the movie starts. We also know that Sigourney Weaver's character has
1: a son named Oscar. Mm-hmm. Not Venkman's son. No, she uh, based uh, that five year period didn't work out. did out two, the two leads. Yeah. And of course, she's doing her own thing. As she went first, she was performing as a cellist or a violinist. Was, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, and then now she's working as an art restorator, I guess. Yeah, say. she
2: works for a museum, an uh, art museum in New York. And we meet this new character who is like the curator <laughs> at this museum. Who is perfectly played by Peter McNichol. And he plays this character named Poha, who is. He's got this very his accent. We don't know where he's from. Like oh, damn Something I. like Hungarian, maybe, you know, somewhere in that. Favorite, one of my
1: favorite lines is he's going around talking to all the people. He's like, oh, what are you doing is bad. I want yeah. you to know that. <laughs> so he's got and, this, he's
2: very uh, unique character. Yeah. He's, he's got a lot of energy. Uh, he's very snooty. He's kind of this kind of uh, European, you know, he knows all about art. Yeah. But he's also fully in love with... Who, I mean, who wouldn't be? But to the point that's a bit of stalker, creepy, yeah. right? So they have a new piece coming in to the museum. Yes. This painting of Vigo the Carpathian. Yes. Who was this ancient warlord kind of tyrant. Tyrants, yeah. Uh, and there's something afoot about this painting. Mm-hmm. Uh, dark spirits are coming from this painting. So our uh, unfortunate poha is kind of possessed by this painting. We get yeah. this idea that this painting is trying to come back to life. And to do this... There needs to be a ritual performed of a small child. So, of course, hey, convenient. Who has a small child right now? Yep. Sigourney Weaver. Of all the kids in New York. We finally... So this painting kind of makes a deal with Poha. We have Vigo, kind of the spirit is talking to him that if you give me this child to do this ritual, I'll give you the woman.
1: And, of course, because Data's noticing all this weird stuff going on. Who brings them together once again the Ghostbusters? She has to call
2: the Ghostbusters.
1: And now there's also a secondary
2: problem that's being actually a cause from the Vigo painting. It's kind of a simultaneously city. happening right here. There is in the sewers this kind of River of River of pink slime and ooze. Yeah. And it actually is somewhat of like a mind controlling poison. It
1: It feeds it, off of emotions and yeah, particularly it, bad emotions. Bad angry fear. And of course actually, you're in a New York City with, you know,
2: Tons of people that already are on edge because they're just busy, busy bodies. And so it's not going to be the best combo. So the Ghostbusters have to reunite because evil is afoot. And we get this first great scene where they come to the museum and just the humor already is back with not only them having to deal with this little Pohawk character who's this little weasel rat, you know, but they have this giant painting. And one of the best scenes of the movie is Bill Murray taking the camera (laughs) And he's photographing, he's taking photos of the painting like it's as a if, model. As if it's a model. He's like, Yes, give it to me.
1: He's like, I bet the girls like you, but the guys like you, but they both like you. <laughs> he's like, and him, just again, Bill Murray with all his scenes with every character. Like, yeah. I love when he meets uh, uh, Poha. Yeah. And he's just like, uh, wh- wh- Why have you came? And he's like, Well, we uh, had a major creep alert in the area, and you were on our list. <laughs> and he's like, Johnny, where the hell are you from? The upper west side? Like, this is that mystery. Like, he was asking where your accent was. So, and of course, because they're not supposed to be practicing uh, being Ghostbusters. Sounds like a religion. <laughs> they're yeah. supposed to be active. They get a uh, court case. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, that great big, they've got that first big case that reunites them. And the city of New York's like, yep, you can be Ghostbusters again. Because
2: they know that they're the only guys that can do the job. Yeah. And so they have to, you know, they're put to the test. So, while vankman is kind of helping out with Sigourney, because there's that kind of Trying to reconnect here romantically, and I even love that he kind of, kind of gets a soft spot for Oscar, even yeah. though it's not his son. There's this great scene of you know, come to my apartment, you'll be safe there. Ooh. And she puts like Oscar, like one of his football jerseys, yeah. and you know, it's, it's kind of a sweet, more romantic side. Because well, I love the
1: scene. Why she goes there is that creepy scene when the tub comes alive. Yes. Oh, talk like there. The slime and the ooze comes out again. They do another great job, I think, with this one from the last one. I think this one's a little bit more less scary at times. It still has some of those horrific mm-hmm. elements that are like really creepy. And, uh... But then
2: the other element is we have, you know, because she's trying to help Vinkman with his case and she has to go out and about, well, she needs a babysitter. Mm-hmm. Well, good old Rick Moranis is back in this movie yeah. and he's now the Ghostbusters lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Annie Potts is actually going to go babysit Oscar yeah. and he wants to come along. So, of course, you have this kind of as we said, kind of hard, strict, doesn't really care about anything. Secretary, and then the very aloof, goofy, nerdy Lewis. And there's a, a romance
1: that yeah. blooms, which, which, is, I, which is fairly surprising because yeah. you feel like she'd be like more with like Egon, but uh-huh. it was like, and there was yeah. that in
2: the first movie. There was some flirtation with Egon, but they kind of form this uh, bond, and they're very romantic. Um, but I do like that you, you have the Vinkman Dana story going on, but then the other Ghostbusters are trying to figure out what this slime is all about. And We get that great scene where they actually go down into the sewer, yeah. and they end up getting covered in slime, yeah and they're taking samples of it and trying to work it out so the the evil that is Vigo is very much coming back alive, and we're almost to this point where Oscar is going to you know unfortunately be put to this ritual, and Poha's just madman, yeah, and then it kind
1: of elevates to this final big climax where they have to no new York uh, movie. When it comes to supernatural or heroic elements, you got to have a giant uh, creature element where they where they use the slime to their advantage and they mm-hmm. get the Statue of Liberty, the Come actual, to life, yeah. the
2: actual Statue of Liberty, and they're up on the crown and they're using it to fight off. Which I the love day. how
1: they have like an old Nintendo system of course. controller pack because that's just how it works. Yeah, exactly.
2: And of course, in the end, they end up winning the day and the Ghostbusters are once again, you know, successful. And yeah. so, you know, the sequel overall to me, yeah, it's not. Nearly as good as the first, but it still holds up as a fun one. Uh, I think it's a great plot, and there's still a lot of great comedy, and it's it's fun to see those guys again and see how they still continued a lot of elements from the first movie, still made it somewhat of its own, but still holds up. Yeah. And that's where Ghostbusters kind of ended. And down the line, you know, it really became this icon of pop culture.
1: Well, it spawned what a legacy of after... That came out. Then they decided to move into, like, a cartoon series, which they started having they there. Had a couple of those, yeah. Of course, there were there were definitely, like, great franchising with games and stuff like that. And the most recent video game, actually remastered recently, was, of course, the Ghostbusters video game, which really, to a lot of people, a lot of the Die Hard fans, was kind of like Ghostbusters 3. Mm. This was because this game, the storyline and everything, was written by Dan Aykroyd and Hal Ramis. Uh, this was on PlayStation 3 at the time, 360... And then you've got all the original cast coming back. Uh, well, with with Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and of course the character you play is you play as the Winston character, the new kind of recruit. Ah. And so uh, this is years later, and of course they've got uh, a museum that has all the Ivo Shandor exhibit. So this is years after all those events, and so they all these. Demons and and ghosts and ghouls from the past have come back, and now there's this new threat. And it was really well done because you get to use the Proton backs, new equipment they're using, like slime stuff and all that. So there's a lot of fun, especially the fact that you're playing a game where you've got the original cast, and it was kind of their love letter to the fans where you get to be the Ghostbuster. So that was kind of exciting.
2: I would even say, down, you think of games like Luigi's Mansion. Yeah. The idea that you have this kind of, I mean, it's more of like a vacuum. You're sucking the ghost up. Yeah. That's kind of a, a play on the Ghostbusters theme, yeah. you know. Uh,
1: and yeah, I think. And again, Ghostbusters inspired all of that. You wouldn't have had all these great you know, like haunted video games, and with these great fun documentaries. I mean, the Paranormal Activities movies, and they're the science is based on real stuff, like the EKG meter, mm-hmm. where they're detecting this, you know, paranormal yeah. stuff. I Which think, I
2: mean, yeah, you look at look at like the movies like uh, The Conjuring, right? The Conjuring, yes. The Conjuring Two. Uh, the whole team has these devices they're using to try to pick up any kind of movement, uh, heat, you know, all this kind of stuff. So there is this kind of science to it, which is nice that it's not just all completely made up and
1: you know fake. But I think that's what's great about the movies is they were very, they try to be as grounded as possible, and the fact that the heroes and the characters, it's very, very relatable, even though they're in these fantastic elements. These are guys just doing a job. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't know what they're doing. But they're they're making it up as they go sometimes. That's why
2: I think that's appealing is these kind of oddball heroes that, even though some of them are very smart and know a lot about, they are you know going by the seat of the pants.
1: And they're not like and you see a lot of these movies today with these superhero movies. They are like these really good looking people and like you know oh, they, they, of, they have all the answers. Yeah. These are just these average guys. These are you comedy not, guys you'd yeah. see at a
2: bar every night. You know and yeah. it's you know they'd go do a job you know six eight hours and then go to the bar get a beer and you know. That was a tough ghost today but that's only you know the only guys to do the job yeah now a little fun side fact here uh, the Ghostbusters has been a feature at a few theme parks yeah Universal Studios in Orlando first started doing this but I got to go work in Dubai at a theme park called motion gate okay which is still running now it's up in a, a Dubai theme parks resort area and they have a paramount land the whole park is kind of like a Universal Studios it's all th- all the lands are based on different movie properties, so there's an actual whole lot about Paramount, and there's actually a Ghostbusters ride. I think it's the one and only kind in the world. The whole front of it looks like their firehouse, and the whole line inside has like has the Echo Card, has proton packs. So you can see all the products. photos. All, it's really cool. The ride is kind of like a shoot 'em up ride, similar to like a Buzz Blasters in Disney World or like the, Men in, Black or the Men in Black ride, and so it's uh you know you're in like. These little cars that kind of look like the Echo car and you have a little gun and you are it's like, you know, as if it's a proton pack and you go through the different elements of the movie and the screens pop up and you're shooting ghosts. And by the end of it, Zool actually pops out and then the final level is you're actually taking on the Stay Puft Man. So that was kind of a cool ride that, you know, to have a Ghostbusters themed ride, you know, this kind of iconic franchise and get an actual attraction. Right across the way, there was a small stage. And we had an actual show called, you know, based off the Ghostbusters. It was actually based off of Ghostbusters 2. The concept was you had an actor come out as Poha mm-hmm. and actually has a painting that is just like view you know, straight from the movie, Vigo the Carpathian. And he's going out to talk to the audience. And he's like, look at my painting. It's very nice, you know. And the painting starts to possess him. The Ghostbusters come out and they're trying to get the painting back to put back to the lab. The, you know, Poha and Vigo... Possess the Ghostbusters, yeah. And for the next like 12, 13 minutes, they keep getting controlled to lip sync to famous songs. So they're like it's like a dance kind of funny show. I think it was called Ghostbusters Block Party or something like that. It's a really funny show because you know they're trying to get this painting, and they keep getting possessed to do you know I think uh, different songs you know classic Stephen Pop hits today. Mm-hmm. I got to play Spangler, so that was really fun because you know this is a movie franchise I've known since I was a kid. So it was quite fun to get to put on an actually like, Ghostbuster outfit. Uh, the Spangler, you know, got the glasses, I had the EKG meter, these Proton packs. It was just like a really fun kind of fulfillment as a kid to play yeah. this. And a lot of people still really love the Ghostbusters. I well, actually knew... the
1: fact that it's all the way in Dubai. That there's, yeah. there's such a love of Ghostbusters to this day in, in all these different countries, not just the US, and that people are still going back to these movies and mm-hmm. this fr- amazing franchise. Worldwide. Yeah. And so
2: as a, as we did mention, we did have this kind of reboot of Ghostbusters. Uh, what you listen. saw,
1: I hadn't seen.
2: I saw it in theaters. I'll say, I did laugh a few times, but the thing that I think bothered me was, it didn't bother me, was a female cast. Yeah. Some of the best comedians we have today, I mean, Kristen Wiig, Well, look Kate at McKinnon. some of these
1: movies where they have all female casts. There's a lot of great ones, and I'm specifically, the one I can think of in mind is Bridesmaids. Yeah. So when you've got this cast ready, Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig. You
2: have this great comic you know, these female comedians who have really made a name for themselves. Not only in SNL, but in these big screen movies. movies. And, you know, there was a lot of moments that I did like. The problem for me was, it was so much about the CGI. They they used a lot of these, uh, the tools that were in the first two movies, it was a lot more like action-packed and they could do a lot more powerful things. And the weird thing was, they had all, you know, of course, Harold Ramis was not part of it, but they had the three Ghostbusters in cameos But none of them were actually playing themselves as Ghostbusters. There were other characters just in this world. And at the end, they had Sigourney Weaver as a a cameo as well. But she was not Dana. So
1: it's not really a sequel. It's kind of like a reimagining. It was like
2: an alternate universe while still trying to be a Ghostbuster movie. So I wasn't the biggest fan of it. Now, years later, we are getting Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yes. A new film that's actually being directed by Ivan Reitman's son, Jason 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 Reitman. And this looks like an exciting, you know, of course, everything's been delayed. It was already supposed to be, it already would have been out. We'd already seen it by now. But we do have confirmation that we have the three original Ghostbusters back. I believe Sigourney's back. I don't know if Rick Moranis is back. I know, I think Andy Potts is back on. But it's his idea of legacy. We're getting what we kind of get from the trailer is Spangler's granddaughter or daughter is kind of going to take up the mantle. And we have Finn Wolfhard, you know, from Stranger Things, and Paul Rudd. These are kind of our new characters, and they kind of discover these almost like relics of the Ghostbusters. And there is a well that seems to open up with all these
1: spirits, which you said relates to... Uh, well, it, you see in the trailer, mm-hmm. not a lot to go on, but based no. on the trailer, you see this one scene where they go to the Shandor Mines. It's Ivo Shandor, who was the based on mythology, he was the man who created these relics or these conduits to the spirit world. And mm. that's where like the the apartment building that Dana and Lewis live in and the first one. So there is that tie-in to all the other movies. And of course they're based on the trailer, there's some great shots of the Proton packs, the Ecto ones back. So I think there's a lot of good look to the practical effects, but it looks like it's going to be very close to the original of what made the original great.
2: And of course, I think what's going to happen is you know they're going to get to that point when they're really going to need help, and then who are you going to call? Yeah. The team's going to be back together, help them out. Because I did love the you know trailers today are so well done compared to trailers back in the day. The guys, you know, the teams that do trailers nowadays, they really they're like they're like you know. It's
1: almost like the, a great movie itself. It's
2: itself, so, but I love you have these images of. You don't see any, you don't see Dan Aykroyd or Ernie Hudson or Bill Murray at all. But we we hear Bill Murray's famous lines, you know, call it karma. You know, it's all dubbed over these shots of, you know, you see the the proton pack. You see the car. And I
1: love it, the thing with Paul Paul Rudd's character. I guess he plays kind of like a teach, local teacher. Probably in this like town. a teacher and who knows about. Yeah. Ghostbusters. Well, because there's a scene where he's like, "You don't know about the Ghostbusters? Yeah. Oh man! Back in the '80s, they were big. It was like the Walking Dead." So I love how it's very, it's very set in real times
2: like, and almost like meta a bit. Yeah. Like they're kind of playing on like, no, this is a world they did exist. So I'm going to be very excited to see that movie. I, I think it's I, it's coming out next year. And and the fact uh, that
1: it's directed
2: by the son of the original director. Who I mean, look, he the original, was like ten years old, yeah, going to the set, watching his dad work around these huge stars. What a you know, if you want an education in film, there you go. He's been kind of raised into it.
1: Well, and as he had said about this movie, he's like, I'm the original Ghostbuster fan, and so who's going to love this more than I? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's going to make it great. If you're going to go into a franchise, you gotta. Bring all the elements of what made it great, but also do something new. And as we talked about this, there's a lot of sequels, a lot of franchises, uh, particularly you know Star Wars and the things like that, where it's it's very it's a very slippery slope. But I'm very excited to see where this will go. If it's going to maybe spawn more movies or continue this yeah. legacy,
2: if it does really well, we could be seeing uh, just the start of a new franchise for the Ghostbusters. So very excited to see what happens with that and where it might lead to. But the Ghostbusters will remain one of the best comic, you know, franchises of all time. It's a great movie for this time of year, especially because of the ghost element. But they're just great movies any time of year. They're some of my, you know, all-time nostalgic favorite films. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just a great cast and crew, directing team, everything. They're just always going to hold up as some of the best.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it's one of those films I I, like, you know, like... It's a Wonderful Life is always the kind of the Christmas movie, but mm. it's one movie you can watch year round. Mm. Same with Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, excuse me. Anytime it comes on, I have to watch it. So it's like yourself, Chris. I am a huge fan, and I've been so as a young kids. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they come up with. It's just great to go back and celebrate this amazing franchise. Indeed. Now, before we finish off today, we just wanted to take a one quick
2: second here to talk about. We're in a, a time right now where it's very important to remind our listeners that if you are able to and are registered, make sure you get out and vote. We're in this time where we have a very big election coming up. And uh, I'm sure you're hearing about it all day, every day from every social network and every news outlet. But we just remind you, it's, it's important to have your voice. Your voice matters. Your vote matters. So uh, we just happened to be in Washington, D.C. the other day, and we're just really feeling that kind of idea of, you know, this is the time where...
1: It's your duty it's and your you're duty right.
2: And you're right, so get out there and practice it and vote. But anyway, as Taylor <laughs> is just silent staring at me... Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking of something. He was thinking about something. But anyway, uh, thanks for listening today and we'll be back with... Uh, we're going to get a little spookier as, oh, we yes, go, as we're getting closer to Halloween. The
1: month is not over, so... <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <coughs> he needs some water. Yeah. I'm sorry, I I just I didn't trade for that.
2: Thank you for listening to the Potential Podcast. Next week, we might find a title.
1: Or a girlfriend. Or a wife. Or maybe Pants That Fit. Or maybe a Oh, sorry.
2: I'm your host, Chris Dewar.
1: And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol.
2: Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture. Entertainment. And Nerdum. And remember, know know your your potential. potential.